0: Jackie. Hi, Vanya Arslanian. Um, How are you? Oh
1: gosh, I'm doing, I'm a little loopy. I'm on some meds. Ah, And uh, no, but I really am. It's not, I'm not like drinking or anything or on drugs. I, I literally, I took this medication and didn't realize until like after that it's like don't drive or you may, be, it may cause dizziness and you, uh you know, don't drive. So I'm like, oh <sighs> great. Well, I'm about to record a podcast. So apologize everybody but i think i, I think it'll slow. be great <laughs> i think it'll be
0: great we love loopy oh good <laughs> Thanks. the lord
1: almighty oh my god you guys we are almost into june here i can't even handle it
0: i know i, I feel like it happened so fast it was just like january
1: it is the truth it is the truth any roms any crimes happened to you this week Avern so I actually,
0: <laughs> ha- thank you, Vanya. I actually have a crime update. So <sighs> remember I when we launched like our whole new look and you and I actually went to see the movie, The um, the Lost City, with oh, Sandra yeah. Bullock and yes, Channing Tatum? Yes, yes, yes,
1: yes, 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 yes. So the
0: story that I paired with that rom-com was the true crime story about the romance novelist uh, Nancy Crampton Brophy, mm. who had been charged with murdering her husband Um, And she was awaiting trial, right? right? And she kind of famously wrote that blog post called How to Murder Your Husband. Right,
1: that's right. Um,
0: Well, anyway, on Wednesday, May 25th, 2022, so two days ago from when we're recording this, she was found guilty... Of second degree murder, which I'm kind of, I tried to look it up. I mean, I swear if anyone ever looks at my Google search history, they're going to be like, this girl was trying to kill someone. I'm like, what is second degree murder? Um, Apparently, I mean, it's different state to state, but second degree usually is more like intentional homicide that was not premeditated. But this was, I feel like this was premeditated. So I'm not entirely sure If they went for second degree because they thought for sure they could get that, Uh, but anyway, so she was found guilty by a jury of her peers on Wednesday of this week, and um, there will be a sentencing hearing. So we'll see how long she's going to spend in jail on uh, June thirteenth. Right, so we could be posted.
1: I was reading a little bit about it, and this is before they had said she was guilty. But like, there's, there's, you know, how everyone has cameras now yeah and so there's like footage of her driving her minivan and she lied she's like i didn't go anywhere
0: yeah she said she was home go but you can go back and check out that episode it's called the lost city of romance novelists That's or right. something. yeah um and yeah they they caught her in a bunch of lies and they had something about like she bought a ghost gun online oh yeah because she was like doing all kinds yeah quote-unquote
1: research it. for a gun yeah. for a for one of her for novels a book. yeah one of her so. sex
0: that's See my novels. crime. Yeah, and that's my Rom and my crime. That's she great. was a romance
1: novelist. I think that's wonderful.
0: Yeah, what about you? You being know, y or crime-y well, happen?
1: You know, I don't want to bring it down, but I just thought it was so Okay, because it is the reality we're living in and I I would I would say the crime is that I disassociate when there's mass mass shootings at this point. Yeah. And I'm really dis, like it you know, it's destroyed me where in, in the past and rendered me like feeling helpless and depressed and gone into deep depression. And what I'm, I'm refer- referring to is the awful shooting that happened in Texas where 19 students died and two uh, teachers as well. And I just, you know, I, there's so many things to say are there's so many things that need to change. But my God, I, the, our episode, we talked about, you know, toxic masculinity, hating women and I mean, obviously, this person was a sick individual, but, like, it really comes down to this person's, like, mental health and, and like, their connection and love. They didn't have it, I guess. I don't really know. I'm not even going to... I read this stupid article that I shouldn't have read in the Washington Examiner, which is totally, like, conservative, really. And I... Because it was... You know, when you look on New York Times, at the bottom it gives you other things to read. And I'm like, oh, this... Because I thought it was going to be an article about because it talked about mental health. But then it went on and on about uh, how we need families to be a man and a woman and the, we need a uh, the father. Oh, no. Yeah, the father. Like, broken homes are what are causing this. And I'm like, okay, that is the most idiotic thing. I mean, it could be, sure, it could be broken homes whatever the, that definition is but it's like just because you don't have a dad doesn't mean you're gonna go mass shoot down people so I was like furious by this oh yeah uh, article I do think that we need support and our for our kids and and there's it's so deep and we I feel like we need like a task force that like the things they're trying to get you know um passed but weirdly conservatives are not passing these things because what they just don't give a shit. I don't know. I'm I'm feel I'm I'm feeling helpless. And that's what the crime against it's it's against humanity because it's just absolutely. And then also taking my child to school the next day, I was like I need to tell her. The superintendent sent out a letter and it's like, you know, talk about talk to your kids um and gave us resources like of what to say per, you know, age group and um which was helpful. And then basically for my daughter it's like You know, you give age-appropriate answers and let them ask as many questions. And the most important thing that you need to tell them is that they are safe at school. And I told her that. But am I telling her the truth? I don't know. So it's been a real deep, busy, sort of fucked up week. So I hope everybody's hanging in there. And I would also like to just shout out to the teachers. And this is where I'll probably cry. But, like, my sister posted something on... Of one of her stories and she had a student come up to her and say, or say that my mommy said, you'll protect me if anything bad happens. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, that's absolute. I mean, yeah, you need to tell your kids so they feel safe about going to school. Cause they, we don't need to give the burden onto them, but like what the actual fuck anyways.
0: Yeah. So that's it's the crime against humanity. It's time to change. It's time to change a lot of laws um surrounding gun control and access and ability to provide mental health care to all people yeah. um
1: like i'm really interested in that i i feel like we got to obviously the background checks need to happen all these these com- like things that most people most gun owners agree with
0: yeah but it's like, so simple it's we just nobody needs a an assault rifle nobody needs to be able to fire you know, hundreds of bullets in in minutes. Nobody need, nobody needs that for hunting and they don't need that to protect themselves at home. And that idea that, you know, you might need that if you need to rise up against your government, which is why the Second Amendment was right. created. I just think that's antiquated if you think that, you know, you owning that type of a gun is, is going gonna help to help you out against, you know, like a military government attempt on your life. I right. just, I, it, none of it makes any sense. And it is absolutely time to change Change the laws or surrounding yeah. guns and how we, you know, how we sell them, who we sell them to, and just like what type people yeah. need. Like nobody needs to an AR fifteen. Not no, like just you know, I don't even civilian know is, person needs that. You know? Yeah.
1: I, I, here's the thing. I'm like, I think it would be fun to go and learn how to shoot and go to a range and you know. But I just agree all those things. It's just it's it's, it's two different. I don't know issues. And I and I do think you know. I don't know how we do this, but how do we how do we help the kids that are are having mental issues? I don't know we got to we got look into it D- DM us if you got some ideas or 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 how do i, I my, my thing is like how can I get on the research team that's trying to figure this out because i mm-hmm. I feel like I want to help because i I don't know what to do.
0: Yeah.
1: sorry to start that on the on a bit of a well, a very no, real sad foot
0: it's it's i think something that's on everybody's minds right now. There's no way for it not to be you well, know, it's absolutely. Yeah. It's a devastating event that feels, like, far too common at this point mm-hmm. that we have to, you know, hear about and read about and see. Yeah. And it's just, um, it's time to say enough's enough. Like, change, something has to change.
1: It's so crazy. I feel like we're being held hostage by idiots.
0: Um, I will say everybody
1: needs more friends, right? And yes. on that note.
0: Oh, we're transitioning. Yeah, All right, yeah. let's do it. <laughs> We're gonna do it. Let's, let's I know. do our episode. Well,
1: you know, if I always say this, if love is connection, then I believe like love is the answer, right? And mm-hmm. connection is friendship. It's not just romantic love, as I'm obsessed with. I'm obsessed with sexy love, and I'm obsessed with romantic yeah. love, but also, you know, it is also friendship love. And today's rom crime, or sorry, rom com, mm-hmm. is really a brom
0: com, a brom com, yeah.
1: Uh, it's a it's it's a romantic comedy in a friend romantic way and we're doing today i love you man everybody i love you man this movie i don't know if you guys saw it it came out in 2009 i feel like i watched it maybe too much i don't know i really love this movie and avrin you never saw it before have you
0: no well i watched it uh yesterday and uh, we did that whole thing where I gave Vanya a crime first right. and she picked the movie based on mm-hmm. the crime that mm-hmm. I, I wanted to cover. And so I had, she told me what movie she wanted to do and I'd never seen it. So I checked it out and I really, I laughed, I i it's was really a uncomfortable a lot yeah. in a good way <laughs> there's some cringe Where i was like oh my god you're so embarrassing paul Rudd!" like just oh, for yourself yeah. like you're but in a wonderful way because you know yeah. he's hilarious i loved it so thank you for the I'm for so bringing this movie it. into my life
1: so guys if you want to watch it it is and you have prime it's i think it's free to watch for on prime right or is it paramount so, plus? i think it was paramount plus god damn it all these excuse me. but language. you can
0: rent it for like you know I think 299 okay. if you don't. Well, hopefully have. you
1: have Paramount Plus and you can just watch it. Um so I love you man is about um well actually I liked let's go formal. Successful real estate man Peter Claven has it all. A great job, a beautiful home and a loving wife to be. Unfortunately, due to his devotion to both his work and his fiance Zoe, and maybe his mother, Peter has failed to make any friends. With his wedding fast approaching, the pressure is on to find a best man, and so Peter embarks on several desperate attempts to find a best buddy. Now, that was uh, that was on the internet. It was just like, what comes up? And I'm like, that's silly, but I want to start there. But I also think we should, let's start with the trailer. Why let's not? Let's do it. Will you marry me? Yes! Peter already booked the place we went for that long weekend. So romantic. So
0: romantic. She doesn't know she's on speakerphone. That's where you guys had sex for the first time, right? Wow. Marry him. Lock that stud down, girl. So you're not going to have a best man? Um, uh, here's the thing, Zoe. Peter's always been a girlfriend guy. All his dude friends just fell by the wayside. Why is it weird that I had girlfriends?
1: Not that we're just saying you never really had a best friend is all. Well, who's your best friend? Your brother, Robbie.
0: What's up? He's about the coolest guy I know. <laughs> So what do I do? How do I meet friends? If you see a cool looking guy, strike up a conversation and ask him on a mandate. Okay, you know what I mean? No. Casual lunch or after work drinks. You're not taking these boys to see The Devil Wears Prada.
1: Oh God, I love that movie. No, I won't.
0: He just moved to LA. His mother says he's so excited to meet
1: you. I really enjoyed this. Awesome. Yeah, he got up in there. Like tongue? Oh yeah. Deep in my mouth. I'm Peter Claven. I'm the realtor. Sydney Fife. Hey, check out these two. That guy needs to fart. He does seem to be clenching. Watch the leg. Boom. He farted in my open house. He sure did. I'm thinking it might be a little bit small. Totally, and it smells like fart.
0: Hey, Sydney, I could be in Venice by 5. I could do that. It's a mandate. This is a mandate. He's the most beautiful dog in the world. Need a plastic bag or Oh no, I don't
1: clean up after my dog.
0: Damn it. How about cleaning up after your dog? You mind your own.
1: What the f- Society tells us to act civilized, but the truth is we're animals and sometimes you gotta let it out. Try it. Bye. Respect the process. Ah! Yeah, you feel better? Yeah. Wanna eat a corn dog? Yeah. Let's go.
0: So, what do you guys do for seven straight hours? Yeah, Pete. So, is he your best man? It's way too
1: early to tell. Sweet, sweet hanging truth is, I've been a girlfriend guy, but out of all those girls, you're the only one that wanted me to have my own life. It's like one of the most romantic things I could ever think of. <clears throat> What's up? <clears throat> Come on.
0: Hey, geek! I just stepped in your dog's crap! <laughs> Peter Ryan! Amazing. Check this movie out if you haven't seen it, you guys. It's just fun. Isn't it?
1: So, okay. So, Paul Rudd, right, is Peter Clavin, who is this guy. He's a real estate agent. He's, like, a person who only had female friends growing up, mostly. Mm-hmm.
0: Always, always, a, like, a relationship guy, right? He has, yeah. His, like, primary relationship was always a girlfriend.
1: That's right. And that is interesting. Like, I don't know a lot of guys like that, but that happens with women, too, where it's, like, you just... Yeah. And, and actually, I don't know if anyone's watched... um Dollhouse on Hulu. It's really good, but it's about a breakup. It's basically about this girl who dates a guy and like loses all of her friends and and they break up. I don't think I'm spoiling anything. And in, she has to like find her way back into friendships and female friends. Anyways, I digress, but it's just, I just find that really interesting. So we, so he, after asking his fiance Zoe, who's played by, Um Rashida Jones. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Rashida Jones, who I love. She, you know, she accepts his offer she he takes her to a site where a, a real estate site where he's like, "I'm gonna get this place and you can you can have your little shop in here in there and and so they go to his parents for dinner the next day because that night she's calling all her friends, and it's a hilarious scene also in the car where her friends don't know that he's in the car. I feel like she should have
0: <laughs> said something yeah, like they're on speakerphone in the car, and, and she's her friends. yeah,
1: and it just reveals like how much. Maybe not everybody. How much you actually tell your friends? She's like, "Oh, is that the place where you gave, where you guys had sex for the first time? Is that where he right. went down?" Yeah. And meanwhile, Peter's like, "Oh, okay." Anyway, so <laughs> they're at the dinner, and it's Peter's dad and his brother and their um, mom and you can tell that we go around to pictures around the house and Peter's dad and brother are like our buddies and it's always him and his mom there's even his mm-hmm. mom was also a real estate agent there's this there's a hilarious picture of her selling a house and they're both like jumping up into the air <laughs> you know and so yeah, his mom
0: is his best friend that's
1: right so there's a photo of him as a kid and that that's it his mom was his best friend growing up and he doesn't come off as like a weird Person, I don't think that makes you weird to have your mom. I am totally into it. If my son is like, Mom, you're my best friend. And I said, I love you so much. You're my best friend too. And we're best friends forever. But, you know, it definitely causes some strangeness. So, okay. So the next morning on his way to work, we, um, he he keeps seeing men friendships everywhere. Sort of like it's as if the first time he's really noticed it because there was a conversation that night at dinner about best friends. And he asks his, his dad, who's his best friend? He's like, well, your brother. And this other guy, Uh, you know, so Mm -hmm. but he's like, I don't have a best friend. So he's he's lusting for male friendships. It's kind of like that montage. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) He is lusting for male friendship. (laughs) Uh,
1: And as he gets to his real estate office, all the ladies, you know, obviously, those are the people he only talks to. It's like the water cooler. He's telling them this engagement story. They're they're hooing and hawing. And the only guy in the office is this like incredible, douchey, disgusting real estate agent guy named Tevin. And I just wrote, he is the worst. But <laughs> it's like he's not gonna be. He's like, was like uber, like, like, like manly in a way where it's just disgusting. Like he's showing, right? You like he's like watching a and,
0: gross grandma porn video.
1: Yeah, he's like, I'm sending it you to you. And Peter's like, no, don't, <laughs> please <laughs> don't. <laughs> um. So later later that evening, Peter he he's a fencing person, so he fences, which just mm-hmm. just a little different, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But so he's fencing. He has his fencing class, and he tries to connect with some of the dudes after, and it, it just does not work. They do not want to be his friend. He comes home early because he was like, I'm going to try and go out with the guys after, but he, it didn't work out. So he comes home early to his girlfriend, and they're having like their book club or whatever, and all their friends. And he sneaks by. They don't see him. He makes them root beer floats. I mean, this is like the crin- one of those cringe moments where mm-hmm. he's like, oh, they're going to love this. He's about to walk out. And he overhears them talking about – how weird it is that he has no male friends and like how the right and how party, that's a red flag exactly for her like yeah.
0: wait wait a few years into the marriage when you're the only relationship in his life and he's like where are you why aren't you home <laughs> yeah,
1: that actress is so funny She's like what are you doing what are you well you know we all kind of get that way but yeah that is scary yeah. you don't want to be somebody's everything you know so no no yeah Which is terrifying. So, yeah, they end up catching him. Oh, and that's when, actually, uh, Zoe says, honestly, you guys, I think his best friend is his mom. (laughs) (laughs) And they catch him listening, which is awful. He delivers the drinks uh, and cringe. Alone, he says to himself, when he goes out of the room, he's like, I need to get some fucking friends. So... I was, at this point, I was like, okay, here's a talking point for us, Alvin. I know what we say about women who aren't friends with men. You know, I'm not, I am think that that's, I think if you're one of those people who are like, I I only, I'm only, I'm a guy's girl. I think we need to re-examine ourselves a little bit if we say that. I don't want to be rude to, to the person who feels that way, but I I honestly think, why is that, right? Like, I have my sure. judgmental opinions about that. It's like, you know, but what do we say about men who don't have male friends, you know yeah. I, I personally think they must be cool because women are the shit but
0: yeah women are great um I don't know I think that it's it's not something I've ever thought about like what would what what would I think of a male who doesn't have other male friends but mostly because I feel like I, I don't know that I've ever met someone like that in real life and
1: I remember my husband telling me when we got together he's like if someone's hanging out with you they want to sleep with you I'm like really Uh, And then later on, I figured, yeah, those people were just trying to get in my pants. I thought we were, I had a lot of good guy friends. I had good girlfriends too, but you know, I was like, oh, well, darn it. I don't know. I just thought that was interesting because, you know, you know what I'm talking about the women who are like, I only like guys. It's oftentimes they don't want competition and maybe they've had a shitty experience with a woman in the past. So. I don't really know but
0: right we should all just want human friends exactly That is not based on gender and that Agreed. question of like can straight men and women like be friends I think they definitely can yes I do yes um, you know obviously especially
1: uh, as I get older I'm like yeah I, I mean I'm never gonna it would be shocking right. to me if I was like hanging out because I'm married and somebody was like whipped their D on the table and I was like nope <laughs> no sir that is not for me. Sorry, Hello? I am married. And I'd be like, I thought we were friends, mother... <laughs> anyway, um, so this is my favorite. You know, I love a montage. We've got the friend search montage. So his his gay brother, played by Andy... Sandberg. Thank you. God bless you, Evan We're such a good pair. <laughs> I'm also... I forgot I'm on the drugs. Great. So Andy Sandberg, who plays his gay brother, um, who's like a total... I don't even know how to explain it, but he's like, yeah, you know, it's like a gym rat or whatever, and he's a trainer. He's
0: like a trainer. Yeah, a personal trainer. He sets him up with He's very funny dude. in this movie. Oh, yeah. my God,
1: so funny. And he sets him up with a dude from his gym, and then his and that doesn't go well. And then he, his mom sets him up with actually a gay guy who is who just moved back from Chicago, and she doesn't really explain that her son's not gay. It's just he's looking for friends. And so the guy tries to kiss him at the end, and he's like, he just freezes. He doesn't back yeah. away, but he lets him kiss him and he just freezes. So that it's doesn't go really well. really <laughs> hilarious.
0: And I love that guy's uh, re- re-emergence later in this film. Oh my God. He's like, you're it's the worst. so funny. Yeah. You're a slut. <laughs> you're, sl- you're a slut, Peter. Um, <laughs> then he goes on
1: friendfinder.com, which I don't know if it's a oh, thing, yeah. but only to be catfished by an eighty-year-old, 89-year-old man who ends up being <laughs> in his wedding party later. And then he joins a poker night. And this poker night is... The one of her best friends' husband, and that played by John Favreau. And he, you guys, I, I don't know, John Favreau is so fucking funny. He's playing this like angry dude,
0: and they he play- is like a comedic <laughs> genius, I, I I, especially I in this movie. Like, there is something about whoever like wrote this movie, too. Like, this dynamic between yeah. John Favreau and um, Jamie Presley, who plays Rashida Jones's best friend, and they're like a married couple who uh-huh. seemingly kind of can't freaking stand each other but also like are very much in love yep um and real aggressive types loud <laughs> yeah
1: and and you know that happens a lot in like relationships where you'll have a you'll have a best friend and they're you know we are lucky because our husbands really like each other but like that doesn't yeah. always it's That's not true. always the case you know
0: <laughs> yeah and that is going to be the case here for poor Paul Rudd who joins poker night exactly. and John Favreau is not haven't but he's
1: so but paul's yeah he wins and he's like you fucking asshole man but then but then paul's trying to or peter sorry peter is in the movie is trying to keep up with the drinking and just projectile vomits on his face which is disgusting Mm -hmm. spoiler alert guys sorry about that um but anyways after many bad mandates peter tells zoe i know you're stressed out about me not having friends and so the next day he's actually his big real estate job he has right now is he ha- is selling Joe Ferrigno's estate. So mm-hmm. that's Joe Ferrigno is the guy who played the Hulk, the Incredible Hulk back in like the 80s.
0: Yeah, on t- on the TV show. Yeah, on
1: the TV show and he was like the big one, you know, whatever. But so he's trying to sell this house. So this house. is
0: the big the big listing that the commission on this will give him the money he needs to buy the property where he wants to build that thing where he proposed that's right yes and we and see, he's having a hard time moving this, this it house. is but we see him we see him really getting this house ready you know
1: like a like like a real real estate agent would like he's made he's made cookies he has got a beautiful spread there's paninis and potential buyers arrive and we see jason siegel eating And Peter, Jason Singles, the actor, but just this guy. And there's people around. Peter comes up to him and says, thank you so much for eating. No one ever eats at these open houses. And they just start to talk. And eventually they're talking about some guy who's possibly going to offer. And he's like, that guy's not. He just has to... He's just trying to impress his girlfriend and like watch he has to fart. So they talk about, they come together on farting and then finally. Very, very
0: typical <laughs> way that most uh, friendships Exactly. Start. I mean,
1: isn't that true? It starts in the playground. I it's
0: kind of true. Yep. <laughs> oh my God, I'll have to look, think back
1: on our relationship. Um, <laughs> and then, well, actually when Averin and I first really started getting to know each other, we were doing um, pole dancing classes. Not that yeah. there was farting in that, but. Just you know, no, it's it's a like really
0: hard work, <laughs> no, like, really
1: hard. I digress, but okay. So P- Jason Single is P- Sydney Fife is the, his name in this, and so Sydney he says to him, Peter, you know what? Full disclosure, I'm actually not here to buy a house. I'm here to eat the food and find a divorcee because he likes divorces. Um, they exchange cards. He's like, okay, well that was weird. And finally. A week later, Peter musters the testicles to call Sydney up because he wants you know, he's like, This he is really him. connected. Like, right. They yeah. actually it was like a natural organic connection, which is cool. So they have a mandate, right? Like woo! Right, but first he
0: leaves him the world's oh my most god. awkward
1: voice now.
0: <laughs> Like I literally was like oh, Make it stop. Oh make my god. It stop.
1: It's the typical... They must have let Paul Rudd go. Like, just, just go. improv. He's yeah. like... Gibbing, gibbing. I mean, it's just like nervous. It's like he
0: forgot how to speak English. Oh, man. <laughs> it's
1: it's enjoyable. If you like Paul Rudd, which you Happy should. you not. Yeah. yeah. So then Sydney finally calls back. And while Peter is actually with um, his fiance and her girlfriends. And they're like, go for it. Answer the phone. <laughs> Anyways, they make a date. They hit it off. And it's great, right? So the end of the date... Pete, uh, Sydney calls Peter Pistol because Pistol Pete and he tries out. He calls
0: him Jobin.
1: <laughs> yep, Jobin. And it's just so funny. So we come back to, we're now we're back at work the next day. We've got the douchey douchey, Tevin, and he wants Peter's listing or he wants in on it. He's like, You need my help, man. I got marketing all over this city. I've got my face on a urinal cake because, you know, people know who I am. And Peter calls Sydney and they set another date to walk Sydney's pug. By the way, Sydney let this is funny I, I just I would like to get in the head of the writer here I'm like this isn't so he so Sydney's character lets his dog just shit all over the boardwalk and the beach and
0: doesn't pick it up doesn't pick it up
1: and so that's the running gag is like somebody sits in or you know steps in it and like loses their shit and they have to run Peter um, yeah I'm like okay so but eventually Peter tells um, Sydney about Tevin and trying to step on his turf but that's just a little seed that's planted, you know, because they're becoming mm-hmm. friends. Things are happening. So then Sydney invites him over. They go to his man cave and he says, "Papa a squiz nut. squiz mm-hmm. Anyways, pop, you know, have a seat. And then he shows him his masturbation station, which I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, cool, great. And they talk yeah. about how this man cave is like a cone of silence and, uh, you know, Peter divulges, clearly he's not had, I don't know, I don't even know if actually good, good guy friends, di- you know, like, talk about inner secrets as much. I think right. they should. I think we all should be, if you want to, you know, do that. But anyways, yeah. Peter, Dave, Peter divulges that he wishes that his fiance would give him, give him blow oral jobs. more. Yeah. yeah.
0: But she wouldn't do And it. they call him like really in blowies. the annoying like way that that they do in this movie. There's something about the way they say blowies throughout this whole film. It's just that gross. Just, like, I was just like, stop. Stop saying blowies. Just say like blowjob. Yeah. It <laughs> or makes oral you, sex. Yeah.
1: It just, it like... I don't know.
0: I don't, maybe cringe. Again, again. I, I loved this movie. It was so funny, but I was like, stop calling them blowies. Agreed. Just stop it.
1: <laughs> and then they talk about, so he sees that he has musical instruments. They are like, we should jam. They totally do jam. They sing Tom Sawyer by Rush. Today is Tom Sawyer. I'm not even going to do it. But they're, <laughs> yeah, they really bond over the funny. fact that
0: they're both obsessed with
1: Rush. Great, right? But then there's trouble in paradise. You know, Zoe's not loving him. But he's a good friend, and Sydney asked to borrow some money, which was a little weird. He's he also Peter asked him to be his best man first, and then Sydney asked for eight thousand dollars, which I'd be like, yeah, no, I don't have that, but you know, whatever. And then we get to the pit of despair in the movie where he's lost the listing and he lost the girl, and Sydney created these billboards. This is what he had done with that eight thousand dollars. These billboards of. Peter's face all around town, which I don't know if you live in LA. There are billboards for I mean yeah. everything. I think the one that I see the so, most yeah, is Pistol Sweet Pete, James. The yeah, the
0: real, yeah, the real estate, uh and they're funny. Yeah, and they're, they're hilarious. F- yeah,
1: that's right. And so, but with that, that was the last straw for him for Peter because he was, you know, he they he basically Peter breaks up with Sydney. Is like, and which I love the, the line where he's like, I think you have my season two lost DVDs. <laughs> it's such a and breakup Zoe, thing. Zoe
0: hasn't gotten to watch them yet. Yeah. And she's really curious about what's going on in that hatch. Yeah. And then <laughs> exactly, exactly. And there aren't friends
1: anymore and it hurts. But guess what? The billboards, they freaking work, man. People mm-hmm. in town are calling him. They're all over it. They want to give them their listings. And then also I wrote a note. Can we track the popularity of the blue suit? trend to peter from i love you man in 2009 yeah because he
0: maybe can yeah
1: i feel like we can because that everybody wears a blue suit i think we might be on the end of the trend i think i think it might be but you know how men's clothes it, like you guys wear the same freaking thing for 50 years and it's so cool um so anyways it's the wedding and they he makes up with his his fiance. But Peter's out of the or Sydney's out of the picture, and all the best men are people or not the best men, but all are they the people groomsmen. from the mandate. Yes, it's all from the mandate. Who he's come across along the way. Peter asks his asks his brother to hold the ring, and then Dad says that they're both his best friends, which is That's nice, very sweet. Yeah, and Mom is watching and improving, smiling in the audience, but you can tell she's kind of like, "That's my baby." I feel like we lost mm-hmm. a bit of a storyline there. I'm like. If mom's maybe cutting room floor, yeah, yeah I know there was more to it. Exactly, and then guess what? Zoe knows that get that they're good friends. So he calls Sydney, and who is, mind you, all already on the way to Santa Barbara to the wedding, just expecting it. Was on his way anyways. Says, "Can you come?" And he he gets to the wedding, and he says, "I can." And then Peter says, "I can't imagine getting married without you. I love you, man." Mm-hmm. And then he marries his wife, and it's a happy goddamn ending. But it's beautiful story. I don't know. I really love this movie for lots of reasons. It's a different take on friendship in general, but also, yeah. but also love and also like the complications of, of of relationships and friendship and friendship, not just yeah, romantic. and also
0: how important friendship is because I think yes. one of the takeaways from the movie not to like get too deep about it because no, it is but a I, very like funny. What having a friend in Sydney does for peter as he he asks him questions right about his feelings and about his life choices and he helps him kind of realize and understand or start to be more curious you know which does lead to some awkward bad conversations and a really embarrassing toast that sydney felt he needed to give at their engagement party to basically hint to rashida jones's character that she needs to start giving oral sex Um, but then it leads to the two of them having a conversation about why she does she hadn't been doing it which has nothing to do with the fact that she didn't want to it has something to do with the way her last boyfriend felt about them yeah um you know and so it actually does help their relationship being able to like talk about his feelings with his friend helps him have a more honest open relationship with his future wife and And um, i
1: I think that's what friends do for
0: us you know we we
1: work out our problems with each other i swear to god avon i keep reading like on how to stay alive like how do you live longer and it's having friendships having relationships and talking through life
0: yes it's so interesting too because they do say especially like over a certain age if you don't have friendships you know it does feel impossible to make new friends you know when you're older um and so friendfinder.com I hope is real because that is you know (laughs) like just how people look for love online I I think you know it's it's so important to have people in your life it's the longevity it'll make
1: your life longer you know so there you have
0: it that's that's my uh that's your that's your movie pick for the crime I told you about okay all right well today Vanya strap in this is a doozy (laughs) okay this is i'm going to be telling you all this um the story of the unsolved murder of uh real estate agent lindsey buziak all right so this story takes place in victoria british columbia Mm -hmm. All right. In the beginning of 2008, life was going pretty darn great for 24-year-old Lindsay Busiak. She was coming up on the one-year anniversary of her blossoming real estate career. And after making it through kind of a rocky period with her boyfriend Jason over the holidays, things in her personal life were also going really well. Lindsay was well-loved. She was very close with her family and had tons of friends. And even though Victoria, British Columbia is a large city with a population of a little less than 400,000 people, it has kind of a small town feel to it. Everyone knows everyone or is like only separated by everyone else by one degree or less, you know. So uh, it has small town vibes, even though it is actually quite a large city. Everyone knows everyone. And uh, being born and raised in Victoria, Lindsay is no exception. She also knows everyone. Everyone knows Lindsay. And everyone loves Lindsay. Um, Her outgoing personality and natural interest in others made real estate a natural fit for her. It was also kind of a family business because Lindsay's dad was a very successful real estate agent. And she met her boyfriend, Jason, after she was hired at Remax Realty by his mom, Shirley. So Shirley was a highly successful realtor, and both her sons, Ryan and Jason, had followed her footsteps so it's like her boyfriend's in real estate her boyfriend's mom is in real estate her dad's in real estate everyone in her life is in real estate um so yeah real estate was the name of the game I wrote um and as the youngest (laughs) realtor at Remax and only a year into her career Lindsay was already starting to make a name for herself because she was just kind of naturally she liked people she liked talking to people so it was never hard for her to get people to want to work with her. Um, But when she received a call in late January of 2008 from a woman with a really strange accent telling Lindsay that she and her husband were relocating from Vancouver to Victoria and they were going to be in town that weekend, they needed a house that was move-in ready, had at least three bedrooms and three bathrooms, and it needed to have separate quarters for a live-in housekeeper. And the kicker, the good kicker, is they were willing to spend up to $1 million. They also needed to be able to buy the house that weekend. So they were going to come in, look at the houses, buy one. Wow. Right. So this is like, let's say this is Wednesday or Thursday. And this weekend is when they're going to be in town. So Lindsay was excited, but she was also a little apprehensive. Uh, The call had come in on her personal cell phone, not her office phone. So she actually asked the woman with what she described to friends and family afterwards, like when she was telling people about this million dollar listing she was trying to find, was that she had she sounded like she was using a fake Spanish-y type, but not really accent. But the accent was something she couldn't place and didn't sound like the real way this person spoke. Um, So she asked this woman on the phone, how did you... How did you get my name, my information? And the woman gave Lindsay the name of uh, one of her previous clients and said that that's who had recommended her. And so Lindsay's like, "Okay, that was an actual client she'd worked with. She knew the person that they referenced. And she was like, all right, great. Well, I will start looking at properties and we'll set something up for this weekend. Uh, And they're like, great. Well, how about Saturday? So they're going to come in on Saturday, February 2nd to look at houses. Still, though, Lindsay's feeling a bit funny about it. So she calls the client. That the woman said referred her. However, her client was out of town and Lindsay was unable to get in touch with her Uh. to verify that she had, in fact, given the information out. Uh, But the commission on a million dollar house was not something to just, you know, walk away from. That's a pretty big chunk of change there. And so she starts looking at potential homes for the couple and she found several and um, they made a plan. She was going to meet them uh, at 5.30 p.m. on February 2nd at 1702 DeSauza Place in Saanich, which is an upscale suburb of Victoria. And they were, I think she had five houses she was going to show them. So they were going to start in Saanich and work from there. Lindsay, however, was still feeling a little anxious about the people she was meeting. And her boyfriend, Jason, offered to show the house for her. But she said, no, I'm doing this sale. I want the commission on the million dollar house. Um, so he offered to swing by the showing just to make sure everything was on the up and up. And Lindsay agreed to this. Uh, so on the Saturday, the second, uh, Lindsay and Jason had lunch at a restaurant called Sauce. Now, I'm going to give you guys a really detailed timeline because uh, there is a website called LindsayBuziakMurder.com that is run by uh, Lindsay's father, Jeff Buziak. And it has like n- such detailed um, timelines of certain like aspects of this case, all taken, you know, from like the people that were there. Um, And so if you're wondering why I can give such specific times, that's where I found that also, if you are at all intrigued after hearing this story, and you want to learn more, I recommend checking out that that website. Okay, so Lindsay and Josh had lunch at a restaurant called sauce, and they paid their bill at 424 p.m. Jason told Lindsay that he would meet her at the showing and headed to SHC, which was an auto body shop where he was going to be picking up one of his um, co-workers because they were doing something like either helping sell the auto shop or representing the buyers who wanted to buy the auto shop. So Jason um, heads over to SHC and Lindsay heads home to change and then she heads over to 1702 DeSauza Place. Jason um, gets his co-worker, Cohen Oatman at SHC, and there is CCTV video that shows Jason and Cohen getting into Jason's car and leaving the auto body shop at 530 p.m. Now at 529 p.m., the real estate lockbox is accessed. So that would suggest that at 529 p.m., Lindsay got the key out of the lockbox at the house. Uh, at 5.30 p.m., Jason texted Lindsay, quote, I'll come meet you and I'll be 10 to 15 minutes or so. And Lindsay, Lindsay replied, OK, I'll see you in a bit. Got to go. The Mexicans are here. Now, note, the Mexicans is the nickname that she gave to these clients with the weird sounding maybe Spanish accent. Um, so that's just how that's what she referred to them as. Huh. Um, so that's what the text said. Uh, Got to go. The Mexicans are here. At 5.38 p.m., Jason texted Lindsay just a couple minutes away. But Lindsay did not respond to this text, and, in fact, police would discover that she never even like opened or read this text. Um, at five forty one p m. Lindsay's phone made an outgoing call to an acquaintance that she hadn't talked to in years. And this is believed to have been a pocket dial that occurred while Lindsay was being killed in this mm. house. so that it, it was in her pocket. and during the altercation that and, you know, ultimately ended her life, her phone somehow pocket dialed someone in the her contact list. They couldn't really hear anything like, you know, the person on the other end just like muffled sound of something in, in the pocket. So at around 545, Jason and Cohen, they drive into the cul-de-sac where the house is located. And both of them see a man step outside the front door of the home that Lindsay's doing the showing at and then kind of calmly turn around and go back into the house. So according to Jason, when he was on Dateline, um, it's an episode called um, like Murder... The Dream Home Murder Mm. um, with Josh Mankiewicz. Our favorite Josh Mm Mankiewicz is the host. There's so many. Also, Keith Morrison, I love you too. Um, (laughs) Sorry, I'm digressing. But anyway, he saw them kind of step out and then slowly turn around and head back in. So in his brain, he's like, oh, maybe the showing kind of got started late and they're just getting started. Like he's going into the home. Okay, so... Jason parks his car across the street from the house and he waits for 10 minutes. He and Cohen saw at some point some movement behind like the kind of frosted glass that's on the front door. Jason then moved his car to a parking space on Torquay Road and he and Cohen waited another 10 minutes. So he basically pulled out of the cul-de-sac, found an actual parking spot. They sat there for 10 more minutes. Then Jason sent Lindsay a text that said, are you okay? Lindsay didn't respond. So Jason and Cohen walked to the front door of the house where they could see Lindsay's black heels in the foyer, which I guess is normal practice. Like when you're showing a home, you take your shoes off. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, so that wasn't unusual that her shoes were there. Um, They knocked on the door and rang the doorbell, but nobody like came to the door. They didn't hear anyone, any movement. So then Jason went to open the front door and found that it was locked. Now, this is when he starts to panic. This is also, he's also a real estate agent. And he knows there is no reason whatsoever that that front door should be locked while Lindsay is in this house showing it to prospective um, buyers. And this door is locked. So he's he's starting to panic. He immediately calls his mom because he noticed a keypad on the garage. And he wanted to see, you know, because she was the manager of the real estate firm where they all worked, if she knew the code to that garage. Um, she couldn't find any code. So then at 6.05 p.m., Jason called 911. And explained what was going on. And he basically asked police to come do a welfare check, told them, but I'm going to figure out how to get into this house and hung up the phone. Yeah. So police are now being dispatched to do a welfare check. Jason and Cohen then walk around to the back of the house uh, where they noticed that one of the patio sliding doors was slightly open. So Jason helps boost Cohen over the fence and then runs back around to the front door. Cohen enters the house through the patio runs through the downstairs portion of the house from the back to the front door and unlocks it. Jason bursts through the entrance, they're both yelling Lindsay's name. Jason's first move is to run straight upstairs to the master bedroom where he finds Lindsay lying on her back in a pool of blood. <gasps> she had been stabbed. No. At 6:11 p.m., Cohen called 911 and again within moments, police were actually already on route. So they're there almost immediately. They arrive. Jason had attempted CPR, but it was clear Lindsay was dead. Police immediately separated the two men and took them to the station separately to be questioned. After hours of questioning, Jason and Cohen are released. Um their stories checked out. There's CCT video of like the, you know, them getting into a car oh not far enough away from the house that they couldn't possibly have been the ones, you know, right. to kill her. Um but after they're let go, Jason immediately calls a lawyer and lawyers up, which some people think that looks look suspicious. If you're a true crime fan, you actually know that's just like what you do. You're being smart. <laughs> you're really? the person that found the body and their, their boyfriend. So you're like two strikes immediately against you and who the police are going to look for. Mm. If you're the love interest or the, the partner of a murder victim, they're going to have to look at you. And if you're the person who finds the body, they always have to look at the person that finds yeah. the body. And he's both. Um, He did also refuse police's request for DNA. So back at the crime scene, police are, I know probably advice of counsel. Oh. is my guess. But again, it does contribute to, remember I said this was an unsolved murder. So there is a lot of uh, armchair detective theories out in the world. Um, And so I'm just basically giving the information that maybe allows for some of these like theories Mm. to exist. It's no, there's no definitive proof of any of A lot of the theories. Um, So back at the crime scene, police are stumped. Lindsay had been stabbed somewhere between 10 and 40 times, depending on where you get your information from, because police never to this day have given specific information to the public about the nature of like like the autopsy was never made public. So nobody actually knows for sure how many times she was stabbed, but it's been reported as few as like 10 and as many as 40. And obviously knowing that would kind of make a difference in terms of the nature of this crime, right? right. Like 40 stab wounds is a severe overkill. Yeah. Would suggest a personal, like to stab someone 40 times, th- that, that, that would be like something personal. Yeah. You know, there'd be a connection. What, y- what year was this again? 2008. Okay. Okay. So they found, police did find two witnesses who saw Lindsay greeting a couple in the driveway of the home at about 5.30 p.m. Uh, both witnesses only saw the man from kind of behind and so weren't able to give too much of a description but said that he was a six feet, around six feet tall and he was Caucasian. They did get a slightly better look at the woman. She was a blonde Caucasian lady, 35 to 45, and she was wearing a really distinct dress it was black white and fuchsia with like kind of like in a wavy pattern but the dress like really popped and stood out and they were very very they could very much remember the dress now some people suggest that this might be intentional that Mm. the dress is meant to be noticeable but also make it so that you don't notice anything else but the dress um, if these were say professionals Um, police knew that they needed to find this couple but for some reason uh, they withheld the sketch and description of the two including the description of the dress uh, from the public until the one year anniversary of her death i don't know why they didn't immediately That's put that out into the world it's fishy the, the police say that they um put it like, put it to the public on the anniversary because they thought it would get more attention that way but also like why didn't she do that immediately i mean i don't there i didn't actually see details and like how quickly but they found these witnesses i would assume pretty quickly yeah if they remembered those kinds of details all right. So as I mentioned before, obviously, the boyfriend and person who found the body were the, the first and main person of interest. But forensic um, investigators in the house were able to corroborate the story that Jason and Cohen told about their movements through how they got in, where they went. All of the evidence completely corroborated their story. Plus, police felt almost certain that Lindsay's time of death was between 5.38 and 5.41 p.m. And Jason had an airtight alibi for this time, right? He had. He was in the car, right. seen leaving a place at 5.30. He could not have possibly been to the house by 5.38. And he also had Cohen as, with him. Um, but maybe Jason had hired someone to do it. According to Sarah, Lindsay's sister, Lindsay was really happy with Jason, loved him a lot. Like, they had a great relationship. But according to Lindsay's father... Uh, He had a very different story he told police that when Lindsay had visited him in Calgary in December So just a couple months earlier, Mm. she told her dad that she wanted to break up with Jason. She was really like missing her ex-boyfriend, Matt. And she felt like she'd made a mistake by breaking up with Matt and that Jason liked her a lot. But he was kind of possessive and controlling. She also kind of felt like Jason's mom, Shirley, was like maybe a little too up in their business. You know, plus she worked with her. Right. She just was thinking that she wanted to get out of the relationship. Then Lindsay also told her father that she'd seen something that she shouldn't have. Now, she's not willing to give any more details to her dad after this statement, and he didn't press her for more info. And this, weirdly enough, though, this account of a failing relationship between Jason and Lindsay is corroborated by Lindsay's best friend, Nikki. So Nikki has a story um, that took place on December 22nd. It was a night, you know, right around the holidays when she and Lindsay went out together. They came back to Lindsay and Jason's condo, you know, after going to the clubs. They were young 24-year-old girls, very social, lots of friends. They came back to Lindsay and Jason's condo and Lindsay and her were hanging out in the living room and Lindsay confessed she wanted to break up with Jason. Now thinking that he was asleep, Lindsay spoke freely and frankly about her feelings about her boyfriend, but Jason wasn't asleep. He was listening. He was listening at the bedroom door. And when he came out to kind of confront them, like, why are you talking shit on me? Nikki said that his rage terrified her so badly that she actually fled from the house and like ran down the street and Lindsay ran after her. Um, she did not come home that night she stayed with nikki but jason apparently called Lindsay's phone 30 times after they had run out of the condo so that's you know not great that doesn't look like a great relationship um but for christmas jason bought Lindsay several expensive gifts and then whisked her off on a ski trip with his family and when she returned from this trip she did appear to have kind of changed her mind about ending things with him um she told her friends that the trip had been really great, and they'd done a lot of, like, talking about their relationship, and she wanted she wanted to make it work. She wanted to make her relationship with him work. All right. So at this point, police don't have evidence to support the Jason did it or hired someone to do it theory. So, could the motive have been robbery? Is their next question. Now, the mysterious couple had wanted to look at million dollar houses, right? So, maybe you're thinking, like, yeah, they're going to look at she, she homes and steal shit. Mm. Um, but this idea is quickly ruled out because uh, Lindsay's purse, cell phone, wallet, had all been left behind and this house was empty and was empty because the people who were looking to buy wanted a house that they could purchase that weekend that like was moving ready. ready yeah. Meaning like nobody lived there. So the couple did not want a house that had other people's stuff in it when they spoke to her. So robbery is rolled out. Now police look on Lindsay's cell phone and find a number under the contact name The Mexicans which you guys remember is what she called these clients um, and it turned out that this number belonged to a burner phone. Oh shit. So the phone had been purchased in November of 2007, but not activated until it called Lindsay that day in late January. And in fact, the phone had only ever been used to call Lindsay and it was never used again after her murder. Because the phone was purchased months earlier, there's no longer surveillance video at the convenience store where it was sold. Um, The phone was registered in the name of Paulo Rodriguez, but when they looked into this, this is a fake name and the address that they gave was like some business, you know, somewhere. All dead ends. Um, And so by all accounts, police, they still have no idea who killed Lindsay, but they believe that she was the victim of a professional hit.
1: Oh, my God. So she
0: was basically set up by this couple to be killed. To be killed. The purpose of meeting her to look at this house was to kill her. But by whom and why is the question. So as I mentioned earlier, Victoria operates like a small town where everyone knows everyone. So while Lindsay was not involved in any illegal activity, she did know people who were, as did her boyfriend Jason and his mom, Shirley, and you know, probably like every other person in her life who knew everyone else. Um, From November 2007 through December of 2008, the Calgary City Police uh, joined with the RCMP. They were running this um, operation that was called Operation High Noon, and it was basically like a massive drug Ring operation where they're going to bust a bunch of drug dealers operating in in Canada in and around Calgary specifically, but also in Victoria and Vancouver. Uh, now, this op started, like I said, November 2007, which is around the same time that the burner phone was purchased that was used by the the people that killed Lindsay. Now, apparently, it is not uncommon for drug dealers to purchase like tons of burner phones in bulk. mm and then just have them on hand because, you know, you got to get rid of that shit all the time. Sure, so, yeah. so they could have it could have just been, you know, a phone that some drug dealer bought, you know, along with a bunch of other phones and was used specifically uh, for the hit on Lindsay. So I also told you about when Lindsay visited her dad in Calgary in December of 2007 and told him she'd seen something. she right, shouldn't
1: I was have. just thinking and, about yeah. that.
0: And also, while she was there, police discovered that she had reached out to like an old friend of hers from high school. It's a guy named Erickson um, Delacazar. Now, it's unclear whether she actually made contact with him, but we know that she phoned him and she Facebook messaged him. Uh, We don't know why. They were, I guess, old pals from high school. But the thing is, is that he lived in Victoria where she lived, but she was in Calgary. So no one can really make sense of exactly why she was reaching out to this person. But Erickson, unbeknownst to him, was under surveillance by the police in this uh, Operation High Noon at this point in time when Lindsay was contacting him. Mm -hmm. So on January 22nd, 2008, um, which would be about a week before Lindsay gets the call from the couple wanting to look at houses, uh, Operation High Noon starts their drug busts. Okay, so they found five kilos of cocaine worth one hundred and fifty thousand dollars and one hundred and five thousand dollars in cash in a vehicle. Then in a house on the same block where the car was parked, they found 20 kilos of cocaine worth $600,000 as well as $112,000 in cash. Um, And then they found a safe in that house's garage. And when they opened that, they found 42 kilos of cocaine worth $1.26 million. Okay, so we're talking like basically $2 million worth of cocaine and cash are found or obviously taken by the police. Um, All in all, 14 people were arrested in connection with the operation, including that high school friend Lindsay had contacted Erickson Delacassar. So is it possible that the drug cartel thought Lindsay was a police informant and that's why she was killed. Now it should be stated very clearly that Lindsay was not an informant or connected with police. She also was not involved with drugs. In fact, she didn't like drugs. Uh, she, it was not her thing, but she, they were able to de- like basically determine that she was in no way, shape or form involved in what was happening with this drug bust as an informant or as somebody in the game. Mm. Um. So, We feel like if they can, if police can definitively know she wasn't the snitch, then wouldn't the cartel also know she wasn't the snitch? But what if they decided to make an example out of Lindsay by basically saying she could have been the snitch and this is what we do? But again, why? Like, why, Lindsay? Mm,
1: That's a far reach. Yeah.
0: But at this point, that is like the prevailing theory by police that it has something to do with with drug dealers. Um, now there are other people who have other thoughts. Um, we'll call uh, I said others speculated and others are armchair detectives that maybe Jason and or his mother, Shirley had been the people who ordered the hit on Lindsay um, because that thing that Lindsay said she saw that she shouldn't have, like what if that had nothing to do with drugs? What if she saw something illegal going down in Shirley's business? Mm. And then they needed to eliminate her and plus she was already talking about breaking up with Jason. So that's the motive that they're giving. Um, and it, it does, it does prove that, you know, it is proven, sorry, that Shirley and uh, Jason do both have criminal, like people with criminal backgrounds in their social circles. Um, in fact, Shirley had rented one of her homes to a hockey buddy of Jason named Zachary Matheson, who goes by Ziggy. And in the home that belonged to Shirley that she rented to Ziggy, police busted him with $500,000 worth of street drugs. All right. So he was like a low to mid-level dealer. Shirley swears up and down. She had no idea that he was, you know, keeping drugs in her home. Um, So, you know, just putting that out into the world are the armchair detectives. Also, another friend of Jason and uh, Ryan, Jason's brother, was Vid Acevedo, who was another known drug dealer and murderer who uh, had been charged with killing his ex-girlfriend's new boyfriend and beating his ex-girlfriend almost to death. Oh no. There was two people involved in the crime and one of them, there was like a deal where if like one of them took a deal, the other one wasn't charged. So I feel like Vid was able to like avoid jail time even though he was an unknown killer. Um, so people posit could maybe one of these two criminals have been hired by their pals, the, you know, the Zalos, that would be, Shirley and Jason, um, to kill Lindsay. Okay, there's one other theory that kind of, if it's true, supports Shirley being involved. So a couple of days after she was, Lindsay was murdered, another real estate agent named Jasmine received a phone call from a woman with a weird sounding accent. This woman said, hi, I need, I want to sell my house and I, I'd love for you to you know, to do that for me. And so when Jasmine said, sure, uh what's the address? Someone was like, um, yeah, uh, never mind, and hung up the phone. Now, turns out Jasmine, the woman who received this phone call, was Jason Zalo's ex-girlfriend. So like his girlfriend before Lindsay was his Uh-oh. girlfriend. Then... About a week after that, remember best friend Nikki who went r- running from the condo when Jason found out? She, and like the wee hours early, early in the morning, received a phone call. So she was like half asleep from a woman with a weird accent. Now, she couldn't really, doesn't really remember what the woman was saying because like I said, she was, she was half asleep when she s- picked up the phone. But she remembers that like as she's starting to slowly understand, like there's someone speaking to me, she, like panic rising through her because she knew about the phone call that Lindsay had received before she died of the lady with the fake sounding accent so she call- nikki calls this number back 20 to 30 times before someone finally answers the phone and guess who answered the phone shirley zalo <gasps> now shirley said oh i'm so sorry my assistant's name is nikki I, that's who i thought i was calling but also why would she have nikki nikki's phone number in her cell phone why would shirley have that number she was not jason's friend she was Lindsay's friend. And also, why would you be calling oh, that your assistant weird. at like five o'clock in the morning using a fake accent? However, Shirley denies that this call ever took place. And it's one of those things that because police are so freaking tight lipped about this case, we don't know. That could be proven very easily through phone right. records. You know, like it would be very easy to show an incoming call at this time on this date and then 20 attempts or 30 attempts to call it back with an eventual answer. All of that could be proven however this is kind of a she said she said thing like Nikki swears this happened Shirley swears it never happened and that Nikki's crazy and police have no comment um, so Jeff Boozy Lindsay's dad is super pissed at the Saanich Police Department still to this day uh, because he feels like there's some shady shit going on like obviously there's a serious drug situation happening in uh, this area and uh, Shirley was a very successful woman. He seems to have bounced around, I think, initially when you watch like the Dateline episode that I watched or you watch interviews like on True Crime Daily and stuff like that. He's you can tell he's sort of suggesting that maybe Jason was involved, not out and out saying it. Mm. But it appears he's definitely changed his tune to thinking that um, maybe either that vid guy I mentioned, the drug dealer slash murderer or or Ziggy was involved Um he like names names on the website, like fully Whoa. calls people out. Yeah. You know, he said he's willing to die to find out what happened Aww. to his daughter, which just like hurts my heart yeah. for him. But there's a couple of weird things. One, as I mentioned, very limited information given out, you know, about the case or even just like corrobor- corroborating weird information that maybe is complete garbage but because no real information is being shared now like the social media age of the armchair detective is all up in this and so what if this these stories don't actually have legs right it should be stated that the zalo family so surely jason his brother ryan they were all publicly cleared by police that felt they had to publicly state that they had like cleared them of any involvement in this case, simply because of all of the crazy online conspiracy theories and tips that they were having to field all the time. So I want to just mention, you know, with all the secrecy with the police, that they did, uh, as I told you, they publicly cleared the family of Jason and Shirley because of all of the online chatter and suggestion that they were definitely involved. But there was a couple weird other things. So Victoria um, is, like I mentioned, big. And it's actually made up of five different police departments that all joined one... All were uh, given the ability to join a major crimes unit. So like there'd be a special major crimes team that covered all five. And at the time of Lindsay's death, the Saanich police department did not join and would not share the case (gasps) files with any other departments. Also again, this I think there's some of this is reaching, but weird. The day before Lindsay was killed, seven officers, including I think three homicide detectives, retired from the Saanich Police Department, so that the you know they they were old, obviously and experienced. Apparent, I, I listened to one thing that said they had between them 210 years of police experience, but they all retired the day before she was murdered, and that's um, just bad luck. So it was like newer, you know, less experienced police handling the case. Um, I don't I don't actually know what happened here, Vanya. This is just it's one of those things where there's so many strange possibilities where you know any one of these things i guess is plausible right i mean and also the drug drug cartels are scary but i mean they couldn't ever they never found the couple obviously they haven't found these two people um there's just there's no justice for her in this case. Oh. And basically what the police are saying is somebody secrets don't stay secrets forever. Somebody someday is going to tell us what happened. And that's how we're going to solve this case. I mean. And that, of course, enrages Lindsay's dad, who I did just read. Um, I was like Google searching to make sure I hadn't missed any like updates on this. I, and I guess he has is being sued for defamation oh. <laughs> um, for talking shit on a lot of people publicly about this. So. We'll see how that plays out, but he is determined to find out what happened to his daughter, and I really hope he does. Yeah, me too. That poor girl. I know, and she just, you know, she was so young, and she was, you know, so well loved. I wa- when I watched the Dateline, you can just like the dev- the devastation on her friends and her, yeah, her family. It's like so very clear, you mm-hmm. know, the, and the pain is just still so fresh. And obviously, he's still making news for raising hell about getting this case solved yeah. This all these years later. I just read in 2022 is when he was being sued for defamation.
1: Well, I can tell you what I learned. I learned that you need to trust your gut. Mm-hmm. When you have a bad feeling, just totally trust your gut. Keep somebody with you. Keep a friend with you. Arm yourself. I don't know. And then the other thing I learned is, you know what? Just get out there. Get some adult friends if you don't have them. It's worth
0: it. Right. And But just make sure they're not in the drug cartel. Exactly. <laughs> is good oh my gosh that's that's my takeaway does get some friends but maybe check their criminal history first I think that's good good pick Vaughn with the movie to tie and into the crime crazy story thank yeah. you guys
1: thank you so much for listening to this week's yes. episode we've got some fun ones coming this summer yes we
0: do we love you and we will see you next Tuesday bye bye, bye.